From South Carolina Public Radio, this is the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on January 27th, 2023 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features the latest statehouse action on top priorities, such as cracking down on fentanyl trafficking and deaths, a new House abortion bill, and the critical race theory bill returns in the House. We hear from Governor Henry McMaster in his sixth State of the State address and continue to look at the latest delegation moves in Washington. The first South Carolina-made F-16 took flight this week and Boeing reports fourth quarter progress on the Dreamliner. We also have state unemployment and national GDP data for you as well. One thing we're always looking for is your voice. I mean, your voicemails. <laughs> That's right. We love hearing from you guys. Give us your hot takes, your popular opinions, your unpopular opinions, your questions you want answered. Give it to us all. We want to hear from you. 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and what's going on with you and yours. 803-563-7169. You might just get on the lead. You will. <laughs> Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is high according to county-level data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. For the week ending January 21st, there were 6,589 COVID-19 cases, which was a 19% decrease from the previous week. There were also 20 deaths, a 70% decrease week over week. seeing the synchronicity of the legislative priorities of the House, Senate, and Governor's office really coming into focus this past week. We saw House and Senate bills dealing with fentanyl trafficking and deaths move through the committee process, as well as reforms for those who commit crimes while out on bond. There are also priorities that we've heard from the Governor in his State of the State address, which I promise you'll hear later in the pod. Now, all these bills will soon be reaching the House and Senate floors respectively, where the calendars are pretty empty and primed to move bills. So let's start with what current fentanyl legislation looks like. The House Judiciary Committee passed out a bill that would create a trafficking fentanyl charge on the books and increase sentences for those possessing the synthetic opioid fentanyl. The bill H-3503 was amended and would include a sentence up to 20 years for a first offense on possession of 4 to 14 grams of the drug and up to 25 years on the second offense. Sentences do increase based on the weight of the drug. Criminal Justice Subcommittee Chairman Jeff Johnson said the bill gives judges more discretion in sentencing. We had two hearings and we took a lot of testimony. I had the second hearing because I wanted everybody who wanted to show up speak on this bill. And we heard over and over, of course, those parents that showed up, how unfortunately those kids were affected, but they were users. And that is what we want to avoid, are users who need help from being treated like dealers or traffickers. And if there are people who are caught with pure fentanyl and the prosecutor, it looks like they are truly a dealer or a trafficker, they got the tools here, judges got the tools here to make sure they spend time in prison. And that's what the subcommittee want to do. We did this before. We got it to the Senate, and it didn't go anywhere. We want a bill that we can get over there and get something done. 
Judiciary Committee Chairman Weston Newton said that the previous bill passed by the House didn't pass the Senate because there were mandatory minimum sentences that were not supported by some senators. That's been changed in this bill, and it's now on the House calendar. A bill dealing with homicide by fentanyl, H-3476, will be taken up in subcommittee soon. And just so you know, last week a Senate subcommittee took up three fentanyl trafficking-related bills and the fentanyl homicide bill, S-1. It received about two hours of testimony, and the subcommittee moved out that fentanyl homicide bill and a trafficking bill, S-153, to the full Senate judiciary. Now, S-153 is similar to H-3503, which we just talked about, which just moved out of the full House Judiciary Committee. Another big bill, abortion. That's right, H-3774 was introduced Tuesday by Greenwood Republican John McCravey and co-sponsored by House Speaker Merle Smith, GOP Leader Davey Hyatt, and Judiciary Committee Chairman Weston Newton and others. The bill received a subcommittee hearing and a vote Thursday morning. The bill is similar to what failed last year. It allows abortions from the moment of conception, with exceptions for rape, incest, fatal fetal anomaly, and the life and health of the mother. Here's Representative John McCravey explaining his stance on this new bill. I think everyone here knows that I'm against exceptions uh, for sexual assault and fatal fetal anomaly. I personally strongly believe that all life is created by God, has a purpose, and all lives should be protected regardless of disability or how that life was conceived. Despite this belief that I believe I share with many of you, the majority of the Senate does not share this belief. The Senate hammered out their own exceptions in debate, and these exceptions included those for sexual assault and fatal fetal anomaly. The last vote taken by the Senate last year did not contain a vote, did not have a vote on fatal fetal anomaly because procedure would not let it end the bill, and it failed really by just one vote. The bill before you recognizes this political reality and contains the Senate version of those exceptions for sexual assault and fatal fetal anomaly. You will remember that McCravey led the hardline fight for abortion during the special session last summer and fall that ended with no compromise after a failed attempt to play hardball with the Senate over a near-total abortion ban bill when the votes were never there. As a result, the current law in our books allows for abortions up to 20 weeks in our state, though they're rarely conducted after 14. This is because the state Supreme Court found that the six-week abortion ban passed into law in February 2021 violates Article 1, Section 10 of our Constitution that guarantees a right to privacy. The hearing on H-3774 took place exactly three weeks after the high court's 3-2 decision that sent Republicans into a frenzy with talk of reevaluating the judicial merit selection process. It also resulted in the solidification of the field of three candidates for the state Supreme Court's vacancy of Justice K. Hearn. Two female and one male judge from the state appeals court qualified to replace Hearn, the only female on the five-member court. Since the ruling and the opening of the commitment process, Judges Aphrodite Condoris and Stephanie McDonald dropped out when Judge Gary Hill became the clear winner of legislators' commitments ahead of the February 8th election. Which means for the first time in 35 years, there will not be a woman on the high court, and South Carolina will be the only state Supreme Court in the country without a woman on the bench. Representative McCravey says the language in this new abortion bill, H-3774, could potentially sway state Supreme Court Justice John Cannon Few based on what he wrote when he sided with the majority to overturn the six-week abortion ban. Here's Representative McCravey again. The language of this bill satisfies the balancing test used by Justice Few in his controversial opinion. 
Make no mistake, I strongly disagree with Justice Few's analysis and his violation of the separation of powers in the South Carolina Constitution, but he did employ a balancing test. He weighed the life of a fetus against the right to privacy. In his opinion, however, he stated that had the legislature found that human life begins at conception, the interests of a human life would outweigh the right to privacy. This bill recognizes that human life begins at conception and that human life is deserving of protection at all stages of development and decline. H3774 now heads to the full House Judiciary Committee. And another bill that moved this week, H3728, that's right, a House Education Subcommittee addressed concerns about the teaching of critical race theory that folks testified on last session. You might remember that there were four committee meetings in 2022, totaling nearly 20 hours and 80 people testifying. We brought you some of that if you look back. Now, this bill states that teaching and instructional materials may not promote or demean a particular race, sex, ethnicity, religion, or national origin. It doesn't prevent teaching of controversial topics, but provides schools can teach history of ethnic groups in line with state standards. Teachers are not punished for teaching controversial topics, but can face action if they don't teach in a fair manner, though they can appeal. Hopkins Democrat Representative Jermaine Johnson said this bill could lead to more controversy. Y'all have seen at some of these school board meetings where people start to throw out crazy claims and these crazy conspiracy theories and start them. What is going to be the remedy for people who are going to start throwing out these claims based on this new policy that you all have here? What's going to stop these people from going all over the state and just throwing out these crazy lies and accusing teachers of things when they just talked about Martin Luther King? What is, going to, what is going to stop these people from doing these crazy claims when they just talked about Ruby Bridges? What is going to stop these people from doing these things? There's nothing that's defined in this bill that would be a remedy for people who are just want to be outlaws and want to go across the state causing havoc. And that's one of the things that I'm concerned about that's going on right there. So if we can figure out how to stop that part, I think we can come to some sort of consensus. So again, I do recognize what we want to do here, what, and I'm in agreement with what we're trying to do here because I do believe we must move past the past. we got to move past the past. I agree with that. However, the way that you're trying to do it here is only going to put more fear in our educators, and we need to figure out how to retain our educators, not scare them off. Mount Pleasant Republican Representative Kathy Landing said that she's heard from constituents that education standards need to be increased. She said it's not a matter of removing history, but not guilting children over what their forefathers have done based on the color of their skin. This bill is a reaction because of the fact that over the last several years there has been so much brought up and negativity that has caused little children to go into school. And from what I have heard from parents of elementary students, have them feel as if it's their fault that these things happened. It is not the, any color or ethnicity or background or gender choice. It is not any of their fault that these things have happened. It is the history that it is. And so, yes, we want to keep teaching history, but we want to make sure that when our children go in there that just like Dr. King, and I know people don't always like it when you quote him if you didn't have the exact same background, but the reality is he said we should all be judged by the content of our character, not the color of our skin. We need to go in an even playing field when children enter an elementary school, and we need for children to focus on reading, writing, and arithmetic. Thank you. 
H-3728 was passed out to the full Education Committee. Meanwhile, in the Senate, well, they continue to take up amendments on the Education Scholarship Accounts Bill, S-39, which has also been called a voucher bill. The second week of floor debate ended with Senate Majority Leader Shane Massey moving to close debate on the bill and limit the number of amendments to those already filed. Expect a vote on Tuesday, possibly Wednesday. The bill would create an education scholarship pilot program for up to 5,000 students that qualify for Medicaid, meaning they're about twice the federal government's poverty level. They would be eligible to receive up to $6,000 for private school tuition. Now moving on, the governor held his sixth State of the State address on Wednesday evening before a joint assembly of lawmakers and dignitaries at the Statehouse. He expounded upon his big issues of education, economic development, and the environment, like we heard on the campaign trail and in his inaugural address just two weeks prior. But he also put the spotlight on reforming the judiciary in light of the recent abortion ruling, cracking down on illegal guns, and improving mental health resources in the state. Here's McMaster on the judiciary. We must also ensure that the public has confidence in whom and how our state's judges are selected by making the process more transparent and accountable. South Carolina is one of two states in which the General Assembly selects the members of the judiciary. It appears that the confidence in this arrangement is waning. Too often, the people's business is unattended. Justice delayed is justice denied. I suggest that our founding fathers prescribed a method for judicial selection that has served our federal government well and with which the public is quite familiar. Gubernatorial appointment of all judges with the advice and consent of the Senate requires no reinvention of the wheel, will inspire the confidence of our people, and will encourage more excellent attorneys to seek public service. We should do that. Last year, the U.S. Supreme Court ruling in Dobbs against Jackson Women's Health Organization gave us cause for confidence when it recognized that Roe against Wade was egregiously wrong and, quote, on the day it was decided, and that the U.S. Constitution does not prohibit states from regulating or prohibiting abortion. Unfortunately, the South Carolina Supreme Court delivered a temporary setback earlier this month. In a 3-2 decision, the court struck down the fetal heartbeat and protection from abortion act. Our court concluded that it violated a South Carolina constitutional provision that was proposed and adopted before Roe v. Wade at a time when nearly all abortions were illegal in South Carolina. I say respectively, respectfully, the court's decision is at odds with the law and the facts, and the lead opinion's results-oriented reasoning threatens to disrupt our constitutional separation of powers. When I signed the Heartbeat Act into law, I was confident that it was constitutional. I still am. Therefore, I will be filing a petition for rehearing next week along with other state officials, and I remain optimistic that we will prevail in our historic fight to protect and defend the right to and the sanctity of life. Such changes to the judicial selection process would require the 124-member House to pass a bill giving up its power. I can't remember the last time that happened. Now, McMaster also mentioned his desire to crack down on criminals who commit crimes while out on bond. And several such bills are working their way through the committee process right now to address that. But I was surprised to hear him mention cracking down on illegal gun possession, which lawmakers in both parties, as well as law enforcement, have sounded the alarm over. 
especially in light of high-profile shootings like the one at Columbiana Mall last spring. Law enforcement needs our help. They need stronger laws to keep illegal guns out of the hands of criminals and juveniles. They need new laws to close the revolving door and keep career criminals behind bars and not out on bond. That means we need no bond, no bond for repeat criminals. Those who commit a crime while out on bond should receive an automatic, mandatory five-year felony sentence with no early release or parole on top of the sentence for their previous crimes. Currently, there are no graduated criminal penalties for illegal gun possession in state law. That means the penalty is the same no matter how many times the criminal gets caught. This provides no deterrent. Graduated felony penalties with no bond will help keep repeat criminals behind bars and not out on bail where they can commit more crimes. McMaster wants to put more school resource officers in schools to keep them safer, but he also mentioned addressing the growing mental health crisis, something we've been reporting on in schools and elsewhere, and is in many ways a root cause to so many problems. Here he is talking about the need to address more funding to recruit and retain counselors. South Carolinians in crisis must have access to professional mental health counseling and services. To meet the growing demand for these services, I'm recommending an allocation of nearly $45 million to the Department of Mental Health. These funds will support the agency's ability to recruit and retain mental health professionals provide inpatient services, increase access to crisis services, such as suicide prevention hotlines, including one specifically for veterans and community-based treatment services. Last year, I directed Health and Human Services Director Robbie Kerr to initiate an immediate review of our state's behavioral health funding and delivery system. It became clear from Director Kerr's efforts that the time has come to modernize and restructure South Carolina's siloed health care delivery agencies and the Department of Mental Health, the Department of Health and Human Services, and the Department of Health and Environmental Control, among others. You can find that entire program and his speech on youtube.com slash South Carolina ETV. We'll be right back. Now let's do a little Washington watch here. 5th District Republican Representative Ralph Norman is going to the powerful Rules Committee, thanks to House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who Norman voted against for those 12 out of 15 rounds earlier this month. Senator Lindsey Graham weighed in on the classified document scandals surrounding some of the top 2024 presidential frontrunners, like President Joe Biden, former President Donald Trump, and former Vice President Mike Pence. Graham wanted it to be clear that he himself, who is not running for president this time, has no such documents laying around his home, but maybe some detritus. Uh, You got Trump, you got Pence, you got Biden. The only thing I think you'll find at my house is a bunch of Chick-fil-A bags on the floor. Uh, The bottom line is I don't don't know how this happened. We need to get to the bottom of it. I don't believe for a minute that Mike Pence is trying to intentionally compromise, compromise national security. I think that about Biden and Trump, but clearly we've got a problem here. So hopefully when this is all said and done, Maybe we're overclassifying things. That may be part of the problem. But count me in for getting this fixed. 
And the vice president, I know very well, I'm sure he'll stand up and be the first to say, if I had classified information in my house, uh, to explain why. I think he's one of the most decent people I've ever met. And so what became a political problem, um, you know, for Republicans is now a national security problem for the country. Well, that's quite the visual there from Senator Graham. Also, we have a follow-up to his visit to Ukraine last week. The United States is set to send 31 Abrams M1A2 tanks to Ukraine, according to multiple media outlets. These tanks will not have the depleted uranium armor, as our export laws forbid sending tanks with that classified armored package. It will also take several months or even years to get these tanks to Ukraine. Meanwhile, German Leopard tanks, which are easier to maintain, are set to start arriving this spring. Besides the upkeep of these tanks being an issue, the delay in sending the tanks also centered around the impression of escalation that this machinery on the battlefield will send. President Joe Biden said in a speech Wednesday that the tanks are not, quote, an offensive threat to Russia, quote. Now, Moscow didn't see it that way, but also it didn't overreact as much as it has previously when the U.S. first approved the M142 High-Mobility Artillery Rocket System, also known as HIMARS, or the move last month between the U.S. and Germany to send the Patriot Missile System. That is the sound of freedom, as Governor Henry McMaster put it at his inauguration. But while he was referring to the F-16s with the State Air National Guard, the one you just heard was the first flight of the first F-16 Block 70 built at Lockheed Martin's Greenville site. This F-16 Block 70 jet is the first of 16 jets to be delivered to Bahrain. Six countries have selected the Block 70-72 aircraft as well. In addition to the current official backlog of 128 jets to date to be built in Greenville, the country Jordan last year signed a letter of offer and acceptance for eight jets, and last week signed an additional LOA for four more jets. Lockheed Martin also said that it has received a contract to begin Jordan's long lead activities. Bulgaria has also signed an LOA for an additional eight jets for its fleet as well. Now, once these are finalized, the backlog will increase to 148 F-16s. Now, let's stick with aerospace news and look at the latest with Boeing. The aerospace giant, with its 787 Dreamliner facility in North Charleston, held its fourth quarter earnings call on January 25th, in which CFO Brian West said that the beleaguered 787 program is ramping up and it will hit its production goal of five planes per month this year. On the 787, we had 22 deliveries in the fourth quarter and 31 for the full year. We ended the year with 100 airplanes in inventory, most of which will be delivered by the end of 2024. We booked $350 million of abnormal costs in the quarter, taking the total to date to $1.7 billion. We're increasing the abnormal accounting estimate by about $600 million to roughly $2.8 billion in total, as we will be under the five-per-month production rate a bit longer than expected due to a supplier constraint that has temporarily slowed production. We still expect to hit five per month this year. Our total year delivery guidance of 70 to 80 is unchanged, and there is no change to the 2023 cash flows. 787 orders were strong in the quarter, and we've added 100 airplanes to the accounting quantity. That was Boeing CFO Brian West at the end there, casually mentioning the additional 100 planes that were ordered by United Airlines late last year, as well as the option for 100 more of the Twin Isle jets. Overall, the Arlington, Virginia-based company lost $663 million in the fourth quarter, even with higher revenue from more 787 and 737 Maxes and other planes rolling off the line. For the year, Boeing lost $5 billion, but the company remains optimistic with a rebound in air travel and demand. Supply chain issues, however, continue to be the biggest challenge. 
From the sky to the ground. Well, you could also have a job in the sky. Okay, either way, the State Department of Employment and Workforce announced this week that unemployment in December held steady at 3.3%, with some 99,000 job openings in the state. Due Director Dan Elsey said in a statement, quote, We have seen strong employment growth throughout last year, and hourly earnings continue to be high with an average of $28.66. While the number of employed individuals has dipped in the last few months, the decrease is only down by a little over 1% since June of last year. Due to the influx of seasonal employment that occurs in December and January of every year, we naturally see a rise in unemployment claims as those temporary holiday jobs end. It is cyclical and temporary, quote. And the country's real GDP increased at an annual rate of 2.9% in the fourth quarter of 2022, after increasing 3.2% in the third quarter, according to the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis. The increase in the fourth quarter primarily reflected increases in inventory investment and consumer spending that were partly offset by a decrease in housing investment. For all of 2022, GDP expanded 2.1%, after growing 5.9% in 2021. And real quick, former President Donald Trump is in the state on Saturday and we'll have live coverage on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash South Carolina ETV. Now, if you'll be busy on your Saturday, going out, having fun, not sitting on your computer, well, don't worry. We'll bring you the highlights from the event in Tuesday's podcast. Welcome to the wind-down section, our little break from the news. We're glad you're here. And guess who else is here with us? A.T. Shire, folks, oh, our producer. What a good intro. Lead Thank you producer, so much. producer, A.T. Shire. Remembering to introduce me. That is just, a, that's, this is the type of new stuff you can look forward to on this new lead. Hey, it's new lead. It's new lead. 2023, <laughs> same great lead taste. It's like clear Pepsi, but It's exactly better. like clear Pepsi. Anyway, Gavin, keep going. You know yeah, what? Keep tell going. us about your clear Pepsi experiences, or maybe you've never had one. You can do that at 803-563-7169. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. never ha- I don't think I ever had a clear Pepsi. Crystal never- Pepsi? No, whatever oh. you want to call it. Oh, Disgusting. Baby. You I did? I definitely had it. Yeah, I remember I saw it. Not natural. No, it wasn't. It, it it felt like it should feel different, but it felt just like soda, and it was very odd. I think my parents were protecting us. <laughs> Sheltering you. <laughs> no, keep them away from it. I remember I had to have it as soon as I saw it, the clear Pepsi. But you're not a Pepsi person in general. No, Pepsi is so much worse than Coke, oh, it's this crazy. Is, this is good in my ears. See, we have this in common. We both yeah. love our uh, Coke. But I also feel that way about Diet Coke. Diet Coke is disgusting. Of course it's disgusting. I never said it wasn't disgusting. No, you always did maintain that. I started that to love it. And now I'm off of it. I'm off the smack. He's, so. ki- he's kicked it. Yeah, he's kicked <laughs> I it. I told you I could do it anytime I want. <laughs> anyway, Gavin, we do have a call. Uh, it's about something that you mentioned in previous episodes. So are you ready? Hmm. It's yeah. not. We're not getting taken to task, so it's good. It's a good no. thing. Okay? okay. Ready? Here we go. Let's do it with maritime law. <laughs> hey, Gavin and AK. It's Daniel from up in Lawrence County. I appreciate you including my representative, Stuart Jones, in the uh, Freedom Caucus nonsense. But more importantly, I appreciate you referencing Below Deck. My wife and I are huge fans. I love getting ideas for recipes from the chefs and seeing all the pretty people on screen. But mostly I love seeing how hard service people work to make a good experience for rich jerks and how the show highlights how underappreciated they are. I think we could all learn a lot of lessons from that. Keep up the good work. I keep enjoying the show, and I can't wait to see what uh, the legislative session brings us. And I appreciate having Gavin's perspective on it. 
Have a great day, and I'll talk to you later. Daniel, thank you for calling. I love that we hit a nerve with Below Deck. I'll take whatever people want to talk about, <laughs> and we love this. Um, I agree. It's interesting to see what those chefs come up with, but I feel so bad for them because it's never good enough. No. These people like want like these five-star you know, f- meals on these ships. It's like, but this is this is also very delectable. I, I know this show because Caitlin watches it. Mm-hmm. It is uh, a blight on existence, but uh, yes, I do watch it with her. I think it's one of the lesser... Bad. Yeah, it's better than the it's shows. better than the Bachelor and that kind of stuff. Maybe but Kardashian, uh, uh, Kardashian, my ball. Hey Kim. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I do think that there are some people that show up on those boats Oof. with their mind made up oh, that yeah. they're going to send the food back to the chef. A hundred percent. You know, and they're doing it just to big time them, which is so annoying. It's like, so just, annoying. I'd be happy with like just a bunch of seafood. Like we were yeah. on a boat. I'm gonna get a little brag here. We're in the <laughs> <laughs> in the in the Aegean, we were not on a yacht. Okay, I want to make this crack. clear. It was crack. like we all. It was like bunch, it was like you just take a, a sunset cruise with a bunch of people. It was like fifty mm-hmm. bucks a head. Sure, it was my treat. Yes, to but my you were on you were on what the Adriatic Sea? It, the, the, the Aegean. Aegean. The Aegean. Aegean. Uh, get it right. It's the Aegean <laughs> okay. Sea. Okay. And it was the best. It's a highlight we all talk about. Like, and it was simple. Like we had this great cruise. You have like all you can drink wine. It's mm. you're sitting on the deck. You're chilling out. Then we like we drop an anchor, we all jump in. It's all these different people you've never met. It was very much a couple's cruise, but it was me, my cousins, my aunt, my uncle, my mom. Yeah. And we had this great just like seafood, like small plates, different things. And it was wonderful. We talk about just how easy and simple it is, and it's just the Mediterranean diet. Yeah. Boom. You're welcome. And like, so you think about that, like I don't you don't need much. It doesn't take much to make really good food. As a Mediterranean man, be, Gavin, I just as, love hearing yes, this from you. You know that's my lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but to this point, I was watching part of an episode because sometimes they're on at the gym and it's like too early because it's like five thirty. Another brag, five too o'clock. early for opulence. I God, can't, Gavin. I can't it up. Love it. <laughs> but they were all like, "I want this green juice." Yeah, everyone's like, "What? What kind of like?" I usually have one with more apple than this, and it's like. <laughs> You didn't you didn't specify it on your list of demands that they give them before. And everyone else is like, I want some green juice. <laughs> like you can tell they don't have enough produce for all this green juice. I just like that all these workers, they all mentally collapse during this show. Hundred percent. Like they all do. They're locked on this vessel, and at at Gavin. <laughs> Who doesn't have their walkie-talkie? <laughs> uh, but they they all mentally collapse. They all crumble. Yeah. And it's just... Except the captains. The captain's always like... Except like Captain Sandy. I guess she's always kind of getting Captain Sandy up. is the best the captain The other guy is always just like captain, chill. Captain Lee doesn't care at all. Uh, it's this... You want to have this glamorous job and like you're going port to port. You're like trying to make it like but you're dealing a part of this. With, but dealing with these people so breaks your brain. It's it so breaks hard. your brain. Yeah. yeah. It's tough. It's not cool. I don't understand... Why this is obviously a Bravo production. You yes. know what I mean? Why Bravo and they like to Bravo loves to idealize rich people's existences. 100%. You know what I mean? And we so, want to look and see what it is on that ship. What I'm not understanding is why they're not tying in their other shows to below deck. You know, get a crossover. Mm. Get Southern Charmed wow. on below deck. You know what You're I mean? You're thinking network, classic network win exactly. here. Exactly. Like I don't understand Southern why that's Charmed doesn't below happen. deck. <laughs> exactly. Why doesn't that happen? I don't know. I don't understand. Different production it at all. companies give it to Bravo, so it had to be <laughs> some sort of like community. But yeah, that's like are you kidding me? People would obsess over it. You'd have like rival camera crews. Exactly. There'd be so many yeah. camera crews and shots. Like, yeah, I think that would be so. I'm just good. gonna go ahead and say it. I don't care for reality television. I have to. Cover I hate it. it. I have to cover it day to day. 
called the State House. Mm. Now that'd be a reality TV Truly. show. We try and make it as interesting as possible on this show. And it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> it's really hard, guys. I'm really trying. <laughs> but without someone like doing something besides yelling at each other, it's really hard. Yeah, I know. Besides or like, you know, how your rights might be affected or spending your tax yeah, dollars might yeah. be affected. Boring, Boring. stuff. Boring. Boring stuff. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, I, we we try hard. Anyway, people, let us know the people which which below deck is your favorite. Med. How bad <laughs> Are all these reality TV shows? Have you ever been on a yacht like one of those? I want to hear. <laughs> well, about I've never. This. Of course, I've never been on a yacht. I I'm talking to the people, not you. Who's got the best sea legs of all the listeners? Hey. Please call in, okay? Yes. Please call in. Any other questions? Any of you have any maritime law questions? We can <laughs> yeah. answer it. Gavin can Piracy answer those. Law. Yep, because he records all his. <laughs> Uh, via remote from the middle of the ocean, international waters. Lane flat. Anyway, people, lane flat, 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 flat. Can't get any lower. Can't get below sea level. Okay? Anyway. <laughs> no, Colin, definitely not. Have a good weekend. Remember, we are not having a lead event this weekend. Hey, and, remember, uh, do not show up here. <laughs> you will be turned away by force. And as always, as I end all my shows, <laughs> go birds, okay? Stop. Name your dogs after me. Don't forget that part either. What go is birds. That? <laughs> Greg giving you the microphone some days. Oh, yeah, I know. He's just like, oh, guys, I'm just kidding here. Name your dogs after AT. 803-563-7169. Give us a shout just like Daniel did. Give us something to talk about. We need it. <laughs> also, you can show us your appreciation by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. We like that, too. And you can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. have been dressing in all gray a lot because that's all I own is gray. I, I own gray like you own black. I like we can talk about I this. like to think that you're just colorblind and these are all no, colors. No, it's not. It's not the case. <laughs> and it could be maybe some sort of weird derivative of Every, the colorblindness. All of these are gray. I just love gray. <laughs>